Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. When I was a kid, we used to, the first day back after the Christmas break, get to bring a small toy, gift, whatever that we got. Couldn't be big, but as long, long as you could hold it in your hand. You can bring it to school with you and look for a little show and tell. Anybody else get to do that? I'm the only one that's privileged. Okay. Well, in uh, my second grade class, I was really excited about bringing this show and tell because uh, it, was, it was new to me. It had, this particular toy had been out for a few years, but it was new to me. Anybody want to guess what was, what was new to me in 1967? The slinky. The slinky. For those of you under 40, go home and Google slinky and you'll, you'll have to figure out how, how that works. But it would go up and down steps. You could do tricks with it around, kind of, around the world, you know, kind of whatever you want. But it was, um, it was show and tell day. And, uh, and I, was, I was proud of that slinky. Hope is supposed to be just like that. It's supposed to be a show-and-tell kind of thing. It's supposed to be something that we are proud to be able to walk with and know and experience. And apart from Christ, we can't do that. So, especially in this season of the year, um, our world desperately needs to see hope. And it needs to emanate from you and I. It needs to come out of, our, out of the cracks of our conversations. It needs to come, come from our attitudes, our wills, our wants, our motives. Turn to Romans chapter 8. Uh, is, we're going to deal today with this, this idea of an active uh, initiating hope that, that is, doesn't wait in silence but moves on what it already knows to be true. Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, Grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for those for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Now, four things today I want us to glean from this text about an active hope. The first is this is that an active hope liberates. An active hope liberates. Look at 2021 20 again with me. He says there, For the creation was uh, subjected to its frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. Watch this. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. In hope that the creation itself will be liberated from this bondage. Things that are dying, things that are decaying, have an odor. Things that are living 
and growing have a fragrance. My question to you today is, first of all, as we get out of the, out of the blocks here is, is your life more odor or more fragrance? Is there a stench that you leave behind when you, when you leave a room? Is there a fragrance that you leave behind when you leave a room? Are you living and active and growing or are you stagnant and dying and looking like your, your, your best age is behind you? You're, you're in, this, in this state of decay. I wonder when, when people walk away from a conversation from you or with you, are they exhausted or are they refreshed? My mom came from a big family. She had six sisters and a brother. And all of them had different characteristics about them. There was a number of things, as you might imagine, they were common. But if I had a favorite aunt, it, it would be my the sister that's just above my mom in age, Aunt Esther, because she was a, a great conversationalist and was really an, an engaging person. She, um, you didn't leave a conversation with her without being wowed, I didn't at least, without being wowed. Wowed by um, her hunger to learn, her hunger to know more, her hunger for you to learn and for you to know more and be taught and, 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 and that mentorship. She was, uh, she was a glass of, not just half full, it's, it's full all the time kind of person. And, and that exuded from her. She was, especially if the conversation turned to scripture, she would often begin a, a conversation or a, a interaction with you was, did you know that? And that would, that would follow by something she discovered from the word of God. Or if you're sharing with her something you've read or discovered, her response most, most often was, really? Like, I'm, I'm hungry to know that. I, I, didn't, I wasn't aware of that. She was, she, you, you always left the conversation with Esther, or I did, as I said, more filled up than when I left, than when I arrived, and more refreshed than when I came, never exhausted. I wonder how people leave conversations with us. Whether it's, <laughs> I'm glad that's over. Or, we need to get together with them more often. They, they, they kind of refresh us. They kind of help, help fill our tanks a little bit. The difference between those two outcomes, between being exhausted or being refreshed, is hope. Is the person hopeful in their attitude? Are you hopeful in your attitude? You, you, you leave that behind if you are. Hope is the key that he talks about this bondage to decay. It's the key that unlocks these, these things that bind us, things that hold us back. I wonder what we're in bondage today with. I wonder if you're in bondage to fear. I wonder if you're in bondage to cynicism. I wonder if you're in bondage to, to the sameness that, that we all live with, of getting up and doing the same old thing the same old way every day. I wonder if you're in bondage to work, in bondage to stuff, in bondage to more. I wonder what we find ourselves in bondage to today because verse 18 opens this text with a reference to suffering. We talked about suffering a little bit last week from Romans 5. But verse 18 op opens this text. We're talking about suffering. And, you know, last week we talked about it's all about how we view suffering, whether suffering is a vehicle to hope or whether it's boulevard to bitterness or the highway to hope. It's, it's, it's all in our attitude and how we approach that, how we see the things going on around us, whether suffering is this means to... to to perseverance and to per perseverance character and to character hope as we looked at last week or whether we just feel like we're under attack and God doesn't like us anymore. Uh, the highway of hope is the road to real freedom because an active hope does something to change us it and not only us but others around us as well. 
It can and should liberate us, should free us from those things that hold us in bondage. Secondly, not only does an active hope liberate, an active hope saves. It saves. Look at the first part of verse 24 with me. For in this hope, this hope that he says that brought us in as adopted ones, in this hope we were saved. Salvation here is a recognition uh, of our need for the Lord. And our need for the Lord grows out of really one of a couple of things. First is this is that when we, when we recognize our lostness, we recognize our need for a Savior, that we can't save ourselves. We recognize that we're, we have sinned and we're a sinner. We recognize that we're destined for death, we're destined for hell. And as such, we, we, we recognize our lostness and our need for a Savior. Then the second thing it, it forces us to do is to know and recognize we need redeeming. Not only are we lost, but our lostness needs redemption. Our lostness needs to be saved. And we need to also be redeemed with something that's lasting. It doesn't just end in forgiveness, but it moves us further. He, he says in here in verse 24 uh, and 23 and 24, moves us into adoption. Not just, not just saved and, and, and to sit around, but adopted into the family. Um, there are no take backs with adoption. <laughs> Probably be nice if there were sometimes, but many of you guys know Jim and Mona Cofield, our friends, and um, they adopted two boys years ago. Um, the first of which, Skylar, uh, they discovered early on, had autism of some kind, and, um, and he's been heavily autistic most of his life. They were devastated to find that news out about Skylar uh, several months in, into their adoption of him. But that day, or this day, would not if they could take him back, wouldn't. If they could give him back to, to the agency, would not do that. Why? Because he, he was grafted into their family. He became a part of who they were. He became, became a part of their family DNA. That's what he's talking about here to say, when you're adopted in, when I save you, I adopt you, I graft you into the vine, John's, uh, the book of John says. And, and as such, you're a part of a growing family. You're, you're part of our unit. You, you're not an outsider that, that has token opportunities to be a part of who we are you are who we are you're, you're a distinct part of who we are you're, you're part of our identity as a family and so he doesn't just save us to keep us from hell but adopts us into a living and growing family of God to walk him out in front of others uh, his, he talks about his being rich in mercy this mercy that saves us and adopts us forever what does mercy look like? well I would kind of describe it this way it's one thing to look into a sewer and say, get out of there and I'll clean you up. It's another thing to look at someone in a sewer and absorb their sin and get in the sewer with them, absorb their sin, absorb their stench, absorb, absorb their odor and say, come home with me and let's get cleaned up. That's what mercy does. That's what the, the gift of God's mercy does. It gets in the, in the sewer with us, absorbs our stench, cleans us up. Listen to Psalm 147, 10 and 11. It says, His pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor is his delight in the legs of a man. The Lord delights in those, watch this, who fear him and who put their hope in his unfailing love. He delights in those who put their hope in his unfailing love. That unfailing love is what saved us. It's what keeps us saved because that's what an active hope does. It liberates, it saves. Thirdly, an active hope believes. Look at the last part of verse 24. It says, but 
Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. If we can see it, he says, we don't have to believe it. John 20, 20, 29 says, Blessed are those who can't see, have not seen, and yet have believed. So, is it true that seeing is believing, or can we believe without, without seeing altogether as well? Uh, take that question, that equation, and insert hope. And we, we not only believe what we do not see yet, but we act on it as well. We can move on the things we haven't seen yet. Some of you, uh, when I, as I use him as a reference, some of you know Paul Cochran. And I used to play softball with Paul Cochran. And, and if I was on base and Paul was up, just the sound of, the, of how the bat contacted the ball, I didn't have to look to see where it went. If, it, if the ball was on the ground, it was probably going to either be too hot to, to, to catch or in a hole. So when Paul made contact with the ball, I was going to the next base. I didn't have to look to see where it landed. If it was up, it was out of the park. So you could, I, I could hear by the contact of the bat. I didn't have to see it uh, land, land safely on the ground. Didn't have to see it go over the fence. I could tell when he made contact with the ball that it was out. That's kind of what he's talking about here to say, blessed are those who move on what they don't see yet. Knowing that, it, that, 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 that movement is based on the hope that is in you because you've been liberated and you've been saved that belief that, that, that you can move on, on what you haven't yet seen is what hope, hope, hope is all about and what it brings to us. Uh, if, 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 if you can't yet act on what you don't see, um, that's not necessarily right or wrong. That's an issue that has to do with maturity. Uh, many have, don't have enough hope to move on what they haven't yet already seen, haven't written down and banked on and experienced before. But that that doesn't mean that God isn't real to them. It means that they need to grow in their maturity. And perhaps that's, you're sitting here today thinking, how do I move on what I've not yet seen? Well, the more you test that faith, the more you step out in it and, and trust the Lord for the results of it, the more it's going to grow and the more you're able to do that. That's a, that's a mature, a, a, a maturity issue with you because the more mature we are, the more we walk in an active hope. The more active our hope becomes without having to see the results of it. Hope believes and moves on what it has not yet seen. That's, that's what he describes here in this passage. Third, uh, fourthly, finally, an active hope liberates, it saves, it believes. But finally, an active hope waits. An active hope waits. Look at verse 25. But if hope, if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. Here's the hard part. Most of us don't have a lot of patience and we want things to happen yesterday. Anybody like me? impatient like me Leanne will tell you I, and I, as I told her this very phrase there's too many restaurants in this town for me to wait more than 30 minutes to eat anywhere and I won't I don't care who it is I don't care if you're buying it and I'm not I don't want to wait more than 30 minutes to go to a restaurant and eat because there's too many good places to eat in this town to wait longer than that now that may seem impatient to you and sometimes it seems impatient to me as I'm, I'm smelling the food from the door that I don't want to wait on. Um, but that's just, I, I'm by nature, I guess it's, that's part of my dad and me, I guess. I, I'm impatient when it comes to mealtime. Uh, and that kind of oozes over into other parts of my life sometimes too. And so I, I need this lesson to learn to wait patiently as well. This verse tells us that hope doesn't just wait, but it waits patiently, meaning waits for as long as it takes. If there's a three-hour wait to eat, you wait three hours to eat. 
I don't like. But it waits patiently. It waits, it waits on what it yet does not have. Meaning that, watch this, that it's selective as opposed to impulsive. If you are impulsive and have to move quick, quickly, you, you're going to make a lot, of, a lot of mistakes. Hopefully you'll learn from them. But impulsive people learn the hard way. Folks that have, have, have learned to wait are more selective than they are impulsive. They see what, it, what it's about to happen with that belief that we talked about before it's about to happen and wait for just the right time and just the right moment to say or do or to step into a situation. How do we do that? How do we wait patiently instead of make impulsive decisions? Well, a hope that's strong enough to believe in the first place, to believe that Jesus is God's son, to believe that he died on the cross for your sins, to believe that he rose the third day for your salvation, to believe that he gave the precious Holy Spirit to come and dwell you at salvation, to be your guide, to be your paraclete, to be your advocate, to be your go-alongside, to be your teacher, your guardian. If you have enough faith to believe that, you have enough faith to wait. If you don't have enough faith to believe that, most of the time we don't. Uh, I want to remind you from last week to remember the benefits of suffering. They were perseverance. None of us like go chasing perseverance. Perseverance turns into character. We, t- we saw last week, and character turns into hope. Sometimes waiting looks like perseverance. Other times it just looks like waiting. Either way, we're usually the better for it if we if we'll learn to wait on him. Uh, it's, it's, if it brings us to, to greater maturity, if it brings us to greater understanding, it's worth it every time to wait on him. Regardless of whether, whether the weight is physical, whether the weight is emotional, whether the weight is, is relational, whether it's financial, whether it's about your job, regardless of what we're waiting on, waiting on God to open this door, close that one, regardless of the weight, it's worth it every time if we see the hand of God at work and can learn to follow it. The next time it's easier to see it, the next time it's even easier to see it because he develops patterns with us about how he speaks to us and works through our lives and for our good. Yet, the key word in this verse is that, yet. Look at 25 again. We hope for what we do not yet have, meaning it's coming. It's just not here yet. It's liberation is coming. Salvation is coming. Belief is coming. We just haven't experienced it yet. No hoops to jump through to get there. It's just the wait on the yet, for the yet to become reality. And that's just, that's as true a principle of the scripture as, you, as, as, as it is that we're sitting here in this room today. And that is, hope is worth the wait. Every time, it's worth the wait. So, the question as we wrap up, does your hope look more like a noun, or does it look more like a verb? Is it active? Is your life pursuing what you have not yet seen, what you have not yet experienced? Or, do you have enough mileage with him that your hope is active? You can step out on faith in what you have not yet experienced, what you can't touch and hold yet, what you have no assurance of yet about tomorrow. Is your hope active or is it passive? Is it a noun or is it a verb? Are you in a holding pattern or are you willing to move on the hope that is already in your heart? If hope liberates and if it saves and if it helps us believe, it does that to reveal something. Because you see, hope, as I said earlier, it's a show and tell kind of thing. It's a thing that we expose to others, that hope that he's given in us, put in our hearts. We expose that to others such that they can see and respond to him through the hope you have. And as I said, the Christmas season is, is uh, 
the most ripe season to reach those around us that are without Christ because of the hope they see in you. The hope in a son that they don't know and a savior that they don't know. But wonder, can I, can I really, is, is he really all that? Can he be trusted? Is he good enough for what you are living out? Is he good enough for what she's living out? Can, can I put my faith in that person? I, I need some hope. I don't, I'm not sure it's it, but whether, I, whether I've got it in me or not to hope, but I see you have it in you. And I want what you have in you. There's a, there's a, there's a ripeness and a richness to, to Christmas time that opened people's hearts to hope that they would never otherwise do. Step in on that and seize it. Walk that out. Live it out in front of others. Regardless of whether your circumstances are hopeful or not, your circumstances may not be hopeful. You may, you may run out of money before you, or run out of month before you, run out of money before you run out of month. You may be, have some kind of physical issues going on that God's not delivered you from yet. You may have some kind of relational or family issues or marital issues that, that aren't fixed yet. How do we walk in hope until those things are fixed? Well, we do so by the faith that, that he provides. We do, we do so by the fact that we know we've been redeemed and we know that the hope that we have in him is hope that we can live out and walk out whether we've seen the, 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 the end result and the reality of how this turns out or not. Why? Because he can always be trusted. That hope needs to be contagious. It needs to be active. It needs to be walked out and lived out. I want to encourage you this season to do that. Let's pray. Father, um, hope didn't begin at the cross. It began before creation. When you saw in, in creation someone who would walk away from you and, and utterly be a failure, but yet need redemption. You, you knew man's failure before you ever put him in the garden and woman. And in doing so, wanted, wanted a relationship with us. Didn't, didn't control our own will, but gave us our own will. The most dangerous thing you ever did was give man his will. And so as you did that, you were hopeful that we had turned to you. We didn't. We, we pleased ourselves. We, we've been pleasing ourselves ever since. But yet you sent Jesus at the cross. Sent Jesus in the manger. Sent Jesus in, 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 as, you, as he ascended into heaven to bring us hope at all three of those encounters. And because of that, those three encounters, hope is on the way. It's coming again. It's coming to the hearts of folks who don't know you. It's coming when you return again to receive the, your bride unto yourself. Hope is coming again. Help us to live and walk in the truth of that. Because we know you are, you are worthy of our hope. You are worthy of our faith. You're worthy of living out and walking out and being intentional about who we are, what we know, and what we believe, even before our circumstances say so. So give us the courage today to walk that out and live that out in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 